0: Welcome to Tes Podagogy. Are you feeling particularly creative today? If so, would you be able to explain exactly what that feeling or skill was? Defining creativity has been one of the big talking points when the teaching of creativity in schools is discussed. It is a controversial topic. Some ask, should we be teaching it at all? Today's episode is all about trying to answer that question, and trying to establish what role schools have in the training of creativity. The person joining me today, who thinks they have some answers to those questions, is Bill Lucas, Professor of Learning and Director of the Centre for Real World Learning at the University of Winchester. In 2017, he was appointed by the OECD as co-chair of the Strategic Advisory Group for the 2021 PISA test for creative thinking. He also has multiple other roles in education, as well as writing several books on the topic. Hi, Bill. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Um, so creativity, it's, it's, a, it's a very topical um, topic, if you like. It's one that causes a lot of arguments, particularly on social media. But I thought what would be good to start is if, if we could try and define creativity, because that's one of the first criticisms that people tend to have is, oh, you can't define creativity. It's, it's, it's nebulous. And you believe otherwise, obviously.
1: Yes, I do. I mean, we've um, been thinking about what creativity is for about 70 years, Uh, a famous uh, speech and subsequently article by J.P. Guilford in um, 1950. And uh, broadly speaking, Guilford was inviting us to think about uh, divergent thinking and fluency of ideas and our ability to think um, differently and deeper and um, that uh, is fine but is probably still too vague and in the 80s and 90s educational researchers began to think much more closely about that so that when in the late 1990s um, the uk's national advisory committee on creative and cultural education commonly known as the robinson report had a go at defining it it said that creativity was imaginative activity fashioned so as to produce outcomes that are both original and of value. And whilst that was a landmark, um, I think it was quite scary for many teachers because it implied that um, uh, teachers were themselves uh, creative and able to tell when something that a child had done was uh, original and of value. And I think, in a sense, we've been, for the last 20 years, trying to think more carefully about what that actually means in practice. And a number of really thoughtful individuals, Anna Craft comes to mind here, have helped us by suggesting that there's something that's little c creativity, that's essentially being able to have helpful ideas when you need them in Mm. contexts that may be new to you, but may indeed not be new in the great scheme of things, that that works much better when we're thinking about uh, young people and children. And over the last uh, 20 years, and we've contributed to this debate, we've tried to be more specific about what creativity is when it lands in a school and how it intersects with the dominant um, mode of school, which is, of course, um, learning in different subjects. And uh, let's see now, seven, eight years ago, we were commissioned to undertake some uh, research into this, and we came up with an idea um, uh, from the literature and from a series of um, field trials in England that creativity was essentially a set of five habits of mind. Uh, That's to say, being imaginative and being able to play with possibilities and make connections, being inquisitive, exercising your curiosity, exploring and indeed often challenging assumptions that it almost de facto requires persistence because you'll need to stick with difficulty if you're trying to think through a new uh, way of approaching something but it was fundamentally mainly collaborative so this idea of the heroic um, uh, creative perhaps actually I'd say probably unhelpful we wouldn't have the Hadron Collider we wouldn't have um, unraveled the uh, human uh, genome, were it not for extraordinary interdisciplinary collaboration, and that finally the fifth habit, that it was disciplined, which uh, was a very deliberate attempt to say there is a knowledge element to this, and there's most definitely um, a series of things that you can do to help young people become better at this. If, it, if it's simply a matter of genetics, you know, you either are or are not creative, it's a, it's a deeply unhelpful idea in school. And that model of um, creativity, five habits of creativity, has, I'm um, delighted and chuffed to say, um, become quite influential. It's now used in more than 20 countries across the world and it's particularly begun to influence policy in places like Australia where I do quite a lot of my work. and. Uh, two, three years ago, and I think we'll come back on this later on, um, I was approached by the OECD, in fact four or five years ago I was approached by the OECD to see if we could um, become more, um, uh, explore this in greater depth. Um, so we created a project, uh, research project, looking at how creativity uh, can be taught, if it can, and how it can be assessed, if it can. And that spanned 11 countries. It was published in September this year um, as a study called Fostering Students' Creativity and Critical Thinking. And the answer to its big questions, can it be taught uh, and can it be assessed, were yes and yes-ish. The yes-ish, of course, depends on the purposes of assessment, and I I suggest we maybe come back on that, John, later on. But in terms of a... Of a serious kind of forward motion, being able to show how, in very different cultures, it was possible to develop young people's creativity has been a significant breakthrough.
0: Why do you think? In I mean, my perception, I don't know if you share this, but my perception in this country is that people tend to associate creativity with imagination only. You know, you point one of your five sort of uh, uh, points there, and why is why is that? Are we are we obsessed with creativity as a sort of um, literary endeavor or 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 is there something else going on there? Is there a reluctance to acknowledge uh, the other four elements or you know what's, what's your view on that?
1: I think uh, I agree with you. I think historically that's, that's where we've got to. I think there are a number of different reasons. There's, there's a sort of Archetype almost of the uh lone uh visionary almost prophetic imaginary uh, uh, very highly imaginative individual um, mm. who plucks ideas from the ether it 's the kind of uh, the the myth of the of the creator and I think that 's a very powerful one. I think a close cousin to that is its association with the arts so mm. There's been probably a symbiotically useful relationship between the arts and creativity for a number of decades. But I think now, and again, we'll come on to this, but in the Durham Commission uh, on Creativity and Education, which I co-authored, we we do our best uh, to show how creativity is absolutely uh, equally valuable in every subject of the curriculum. It's ubiquitous, it occurs in... Uh, every aspect of our life. Um, As a parent, we need to be creative. As a worker, we need to be creative. As an individual um, spotting false news or making difficult choices in a complex Brexit-dominated election, Uh, we need all these other things. So I think this more holistic definition has been a much more global approach to this. And I think that uh, England is, is, is actually beginning to catch up. I mean, interestingly, and again we may come back to this, but if you looked at the four home nations that make up the UK, um, England is an out, outlier here. Um, Scotland and its Curriculum for Excellence has been uh, mainstreaming this, this kind of thinking for a while. The new Welsh Curriculum puts its stage centre, and Northern Ireland has never... Uh, given up on what used to be referred to as personal learning and thinking skills uh, mm-hmm. and have a lot of the elements of what it is to be creative in them. If you went south uh, of the border in Ireland, you'd get to Ireland where they have a, a major initiative called Creative Ireland trying to see uh, creativity as as very much this much more holistic, inclusive uh, notion. So I think I think you're right. I think it has been... Overly associated with with one aspect, the ability to, kind of have have ideas, to express your, to take your imagination for a walk. But I think that's a a very thin, and inadequate definition of, of of the beauty of the whole thing.
0: Do you think some of the reluctance from teachers in the UK? I mean, some people are very vocal about this on on social media. Is is because there's a perception that either it's too broad and nebulous to to be able to teach and. You know it makes teachers uncomfortable or do you think there is also a factor that there's a feeling this is being pushed on schools by business mm-hmm. and that it, it comes down to the the sort of meaning of education and there's a real kickback against this this sort of training uh, purpose of education that we're sort of preparing children for work do you think there's a dual kickback against it or do you think that there's a third reasons or do you think one of those two reasons is more more explicit
1: I think that um, in the 20 years since the uh, UK's National Advisory Committee on Creative and Cultural Education report, um, uh, something quite extraordinary has happened, and that is that employers, uh, psychologists, education researchers, and many teachers now see that creativity is valuable for a range of different reasons. Um, Some teachers are suspicious uh, of anything that looks like an instrumental reason for doing something. So the fact that the World Economic Forum and more recently the CBI uh, in the UK have been explicit about the need to uh, have more creative young people emerging from schools will not be a selling point for some teachers. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that um, in a different part of the research environment, we see uh, a sort of crisis of uh, well-being amongst kids and we know there's really good research about this so the positive association between well-being and creativity um, that will encourage um, those who come at this from a more hum- humanistic um, uh, perspective I think many who see the purposes of education as fully developing uh, an all-rounded individual love this because Um, our ability to express our full creativity is very close, I think, to what it is to be human. And, you know, there's a part of being creative, which is essentially our ability to read others. Uh, So it's not just critical thinking as in spotting false news. It's also empathy. I mean, it's very difficult to work effectively with others without empathy. And of course, that's an interesting counter to the equally active on social media lobby that AI is going to take away all that we care about in education and life. Um, So uh, I I think, um, and educational researchers, and I'm thinking about people like um, uh, Ingrid uh, uh, Schoen and Leslie Gutmann at uh, the Institute of Education uh, have shown how these kinds of, they would say they're non-cognitive skills. I'm not happy with that expression myself, but they would... Show how they are really important uh, as a kind of asset for us as lifelong learners, so i think I think actually the research evidence is pretty unshakably strong that for a myriad reasons, creativity is uh, a useful desired outcome of school uh, there 's one area that I think we 've not done well on that, well enough yet, and I think it It allows a certain kind of person who's determined not to like creativity to enjoy their voice on Twitter. Uh, And that is, there's a a myth still that we've got to do better at slaying that you either um, go down a route which has literate, numerate, scientifically capable young people uh, loving knowledge and being very skillful or you do this thing called creativity. And I think this is such an unhelpful binary position. We've labored long and hard in the Durham Commission to explicitly nail our colours to the mask that says, no, there there are really strong, rigorous arguments for doing this, that if you're going to do this effectively, it uh, it, it, it has a clear foundation on knowledge. To be more effectively creative, you need to know more things. I mean, you can have occasional random breakthrough moments but most of our breakthrough moments and this is ultimately a kind of survivalist uh, argument for creativity is that it's our means of solving the big intractable problems out there if you're going to do that you need to to know stuff so long answer to your very good question but I think the the various different um, bodies of research are beginning to make this clearer and there's one area where Um, There's really promising uh, research not yet um, brought together, but I've begun to, and that is that it turns out from good meta-analytical studies that those schools that really embed critical thinking and creativity seem, the evidence seems to suggest, to have a positive uh, impact on the achievement of their students in other subjects. So there's a a nice win-win there, I think, which we probably need to do some more work on.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe we'll get to the, the training aspect of it now. I mean, we carried a piece by Professor Stellan Olsen in the summer where he was quite clear that the perception, there's, there's, the research suggests you can't teach creativity is a false perception and that there are there's good evidence that teaching creativity has has a, a, a an impact of some description on, on a, a child's level of creativity depending on whichever definition the, the study used. Um, would you share that? perception that actually there's a false perception about uh, Creativity and, and, and the research evidence
1: Yes, absolutely um, It's very clear from our research in many countries and from our reading of our colleagues research that you can teach people to become more creative. There's a, a nice uh, uh, systematic review I have uh, only just uh, encountered by Teresa Kremin and Kerry Chappell um, looking at precisely this and uh, showing the different ways in which you can teach. In fact, we come up in, in, in the Durham Commission, we introduced the idea of teaching for creativity. Um, and we define that exp- explicitly as using pedagogies and practices that cultivate creativity in young people and the kind of things that you can immediately track um, uh, and they relate to but are not exclusive to our definition are kids get better at generating and exploring ideas, they get better at uh, appropriately acting uh, independently, they get better at problem solving, they get better at uh, taking appropriate risks, they get better at collaborating with others. Uh, and. So on almost any measure, uh, I mean, interestingly is the article to which you refer that you carried in the summer, and which I was very happy to, I wrote a piece for Times Ed after that, um, absolutely supporting. Interestingly, I think um, in the corporate world uh, and in the world of training, this has been a given for a very long while and it's it's strange that when you go to school, um, this isn't accepted. And I... I think, and where I have some sympathy, uh, is that this idea that and if teachers feel that this just something else they are being asked to do, I can absolutely understand how um, my many friends who are also teachers or head teachers might push back on it. But I think if you can uh, show that there are many, many good practices out there uh, and good examples uh, of this uh, would be, um, and we explore uh, these in. Uh, our book, Teaching Creative Thinking, a number of um, signature pedagogies um, uh, where, for example, and this is quite a, a popular idea, which again might bring the tribes together, uh, where, where you're actively embedding uh, tactics for deliberate practice within a within a classroom, you're likely to be able to produce more disciplined creative learners. And that will inevitably require you to have some kind of model of creativity that's probably a process model, uh, and that will have you um, being able to understand the the location or the context of the subject or the problem. It'll be uh, encouraging you in more rigorous ways to come up with uh, ideas and then to uh, synthesize those and to test those and to explore those and quite often to make something. And Suddenly, actually, you find yourself in a in a land which is not not a million miles away from the engineering design process. Uh, And so those out there who are advocating for STEAM, so um, not just science, technology, engineering, and maths, but also adding in the arts, uh, I I, I can't do it, but I'd like to put C for creativity in there. It won't make a very neat acronym. (laughs) Suddenly, you, you know, there are actually a lot of good teachers who are doing these kind of things Already, and the OECD research showed and actually lists the many pedagogies that seem to work here and very shortly we'll be launching uh, a teacher friendly app with examples of um, how different teachers across the world have tried this and I think there is a resource gap for some some teachers in the era of creative partnerships in ten years ago there were quite a, there was a lot of support and a lot of resource, and I think Possibly, dare I say, you know, we've been so focused on other things in education that the collective memory uh, has forgotten how to do this because they've been being required to do other things. I mean, interestingly, at the moment, with the new Ofsted framework, uh, the requirement to be much more explicit about what the intention of your curriculum is, it's a perfect opportunity to uh, say, say that producing... Uh, more creative young people is part of what we're trying to do and in in your statement around implementation to draw on the thinking from the kind of research that I've been talking about is again an obvious place to put it and uh, when it comes to judging impact again there's a really interesting and we maybe will come on to this there's growing evidence of how you can use a range of assessment for learning type approaches to track progress in this amongst young people so it is accessible um, in a way that helps us to get better at teaching it.
0: If I go back to your point there, it's it's an interesting one that, you know, the the notion that teaching creativity is not a binary to teaching knowledge. And I think there is a, a perception, again, that, you know, we have this accountability structure where kids have to pass an exam and we are judged on whether kids pass that exam. And there is... Also, a perception that we there's not there's too much content, not enough time, and there seems to be a prioritization going on that says, "Yes, creativity is brilliant, but it, it's a nice to have." First of all, we've got to get them through this content, and f- from what I can understand from what you were saying, is that well, the best way of getting them through that content is a creative way of is a creative pedagogy.
1: Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying, uh, and uh, as you're implying there, John, it's not an either or; it's not binary. So, I mean, if I talk to my friends who uh, teach uh, maths, uh, I can't think of uh, any of them who wouldn't want young people to understand how they can challenge assumptions of false logic or how they can stick with tricky, chat, cheeky, tricky problems or how they can play with possibilities when they're thinking of having to show their workings uh, different ways of solving the same problem. I can't think of um, my... Uh, colleagues who teach uh, uh, almost anything that involves interaction with others, how you wouldn't want young people to be able to give and receive feedback both from themselves and from others so that they could get more better, more better, so they could get better, more confident uh, and, and make progress. I can't imagine um, anyone who wants uh, young people to make progress in, in, in lessons, how they wouldn't. Uh, see that starting lessons as is the, the vogue in many qua- in many places with appropriate questions which encourage young people to reflect on what they know or what they don't know about something wouldn't be a helpful way of starting. Now, these are all the tools and practices of uh, those who um, uh, teach uh, uh, creativity. And uh, they're not exclusively the property of those, but they are. And I think what we've got to do is, and the metaphor that my colleague Guy Claxton and I use on this is split screen teaching so you've got to think you know today I'm I'm teaching the causes of the second world war but at the same time I'm encouraging my students to um, exercising their critical thinking capability really to distinguish between primary and secondary sources or um, we're looking at um, an extract on Wikipedia when we're trying to figure out how we might work out whether this is uh, an appropriate source or where its sources come from or whether it's false news uh, and all the rest of it. And you can walk around every aspect of the curriculum. And interestingly, this is what Australia does. It says, um, map the formal curriculum, not over mapping and not deluging teachers in too much stuff. And then create a very simple scope and sequence document for creativity. So in Australia, Uh, there's a two and it fits on two sides of a four there's a clear description of the progression that you'd want to see as young people get more confident in their in their creativity and you then lock that in appropriately to the different subjects of the curriculum and hey presto you get on and do it so you're not losing time you're not losing sleep you're not overburdening students or teachers in what I think most people would agree is probably a, a curriculum that's too overloaded with stuff we need a bit more space but that's the subject for another discussion I suspect.
0: I think that's, a, that's probably a very appealing view of creativity and I guess if, if we if we view it as part of good teaching rather than uh, an, a, a discrete subject if, if that makes sense a, a discrete
1: discipline. Um, I don't think it is a discrete I mean I think the idea that creativity is context or content neutral has been an unhelpful one. And whilst you can, as with anything, you can learn how to chair a meeting, and in a sense that's an abstract decontext, decontextualized skill, but you only, by chairing meetings with different people where you have different grasps of the knowledge, you learn how to do that. The same, same thing, you can learn in the abstract certain questioning techniques, but they, they remain abstract until they're applied in the real world, or the real, or, or in a particular subject discipline. So. Again, I think you're right. I think that's something we've got got to get better at making a case for.
0: Do you think, then, that given that description of of creativity and this sort of in, integrated way of of teaching it, that that the response from teachers would be, well, why is this an issue? This is what I'm doing already every day. Why why are we talking about a creativity crisis uh, the CBI and and as such? Um, are you talking about, yes, this may be something teachers are doing, but we can do it more explicitly, or we can do it more mindfully?
1: So, uh, three things about this. One, um, there are some schools and some teachers are doing this brilliantly. Um, in the uh, the Durham Commission report, we feature the work of Thomas Tallis School in South London, their school we've been working with for six, seven, eight years, and they exemplars in this and they put all their material uh on their site so there's a kind of creative Commons site that you can go and look at this um but in the in the research that we did for the durham commission we found that uh this was not widespread and in the literature you find um many teachers uh when asked um valuing it but not feeling confident about how they might do it and Mm. so the first answer is that it is happening but it's not widely spread enough the second uh, would be something about um recognizing the dilemma that teachers find themselves in back to our earlier conversation about the pressures that teachers are under uh, and uh the anxiety levels um and and uh, so therefore some some teachers might say uh, i kind of um Uh, i know how to do this i just don't have the space or the opportunity Uh, and they may or may not be doing it or they may be doing it very sparingly and the third of these areas is that i think it is historically what uh some people say in schools when anybody asks them to do anything they say but we're doing it already um and i know this because many of my friends tell me this is exactly what they say and they hope it will kind of go away And my answer to that is to say something genuinely affirming, like, that's fantastic, can I come and see you? Uh, At which point they, they take a different tack. And I think in a school context, what school leaders who are wanting to do this do really well is say, to those who say, but aren't we doing this already? They say, well, why don't we as a school have a kind of appreciative inquiry and start to uh, understand as a staff room those things that we're already doing, whether we're a primary or a secondary school, um, that are a good in this area and share those. And then suddenly you've got a uh, a much less resistant agenda. Ag- because if you go into any school, and I do this a lot, and say, hey guys, why don't you do this? If they feel there's any implicit criticism, then it feels like a gap analysis. You know, you, you should be doing this and you're not. But if you can say... You know, there's some really great work out there. Not sure where you'd like to put yourself on that continuum. Be lovely to see the things that you think are going really well, and let's build on them. It's a completely different tone, and that's the tone that we uh, at Centre for Real World learning here at the University of Winchester. That's how we go into schools, and we find we're welcomed when that happens. So I think there's something about if this feels even vaguely like a kind of another government stick, it's doomed
0: and you I mean perhaps it'd be useful like if we took i don't know maybe science as an example could you maybe give me an example where a teacher may be halfway there and then what what a teacher a bit further along that sort of spectrum would be doing
1: i can have a go um so let's uh think of uh some aspect of the demonstration of imagination Um, And part of um, uh, imagination is being able to play with possibilities to make connections. Quite often as you're encouraging a a group of uh, young people, let's say they're in uh, year eight or nine for the sake of argument, and they're undertaking some kind of scientific experiment, um, then it will help them to either be able to visually map what they're doing or to think about, uh, to encourage them with some kind of what if or possibility type thinking, the various possible outcomes of their experiment before they go into a much more disciplined area where they're looking at reflecting on what they actually learnt from their experiment and we might take them over to an approach that is increasingly used used in those schools that are interested in promoting engineering where... Um, the teacher might almost in the role of a drama teacher say, so how would a scientist think here? And uh, and they might move, uh, as some schools I've seen do, into a more philosophy for children type approach uh, and and really imagine how, possibly even populate it with some some, some actual scientists who've discovered things. Uh, It might be, as we continue thinking about the full meaning of creativity, it might be that there's a little bit of role play or there's some reframing, what have we done this, rather than that. Uh, it might be that, well, actually, it's almost always the case that there's going to be some kind of um, team working at, at foot here, uh, uh, and uh, so understanding the different roles you might play as a, as a, scien- as a group of scientists experimenting, and then, may- or even maybe giving them an example of uh, a group of scientists who've collaborated in the way and the different roles that they played um, and, and each of those is a different kind of layering uh, or, and you wouldn't want to go from one to the other without maybe practicing um, but each of them is perfectly possible within the constraints of the science curriculum although that said i think as you get into gcse uh, the thousand pages or so of stuff that you need to uh, get pretty close to remembering if you're going to do triple science is a challenge. So, um, you know, I'm not sure that um, uh, at the extremes of GCSE science, you'd find quite such a welcoming response. But I think you would in most areas of the curriculum. I think we just have to be pragmatic about it. Um, and again, not, we're, we're not wishing to uh, overpromote, but there are some 40 or 50 very practical examples in the book that Ellen Spencer and I have written called Teaching Creative Thinking on this.
0: And I guess uh, there, there's a, on the last aspect of training, I guess, but what we're asking teachers to do here is open themselves up, uh, expose themselves almost about their own level of subject knowledge. And and in in, in, in a sense, I guess, a behaviour management task, that if we are going to encourage this sort of creative thinking, there's a danger that a, a lack of knowledge might be exposed or a danger that a tricky question becomes a... a um, a, a, a moment of weakness for a teacher a paying devil's advocate here I'm not suggesting that teachers don't have good subject knowledge, but there may be a fear there that this sort of approach exposes a teacher
1: yes, I think you're right I think there is that fear and I think in some school climates we've moved so far towards um, the teacher has to be the only fount of all knowledge and really the only purpose of questioning in a class is to see whether they've got it whether they've understood whatever they've just been taught as Mm -hmm. opposed to the teacher needs to know uh, a good deal and be thoroughly professional and um, extremely good at helping young people not only answer questions to which they really should know the answer but also how about how to go about the process of uh, approaching an issue which is complex or which doesn't have one right answer Uh, or which is contested and I think those areas are you know if ever there was a point of education it seems to me hugely I mean now topically think of what's going on in the world creativity is at least part of our answer to how we deal with these big tricky questions like climate change or global resourcing or um, our ability in in a fully wired world to maintain our well-being and so forth and so forth so I think um, creativity, whilst it isn't a discipline in the sense of maths or science or geography, I think it is a, and we argue very strongly, it's a set of habits of mind that need to be landed in subjects and can add enormous value to those subjects when they do that. And there's one thing I'd say to a teacher who um, does feel that they just might be caught out. And I'd say that you know, I mean, that is a legitimate, I acknowledge that fear. It's something that all teachers, uh, I guess, all of us who have taught at some stage fear, but the really good teachers and the teachers who are often outstanding know when to say, you know what, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer, but I know exactly how we're going to find out that answer together. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of the metacognition level of this, uh, the kind that, we know from all the work that uh, the Sutton Trust and the Education Endowment Foundation have done that's the kind of level that we want our young people to be operating at if they're going to not just get the A stars but also go on into higher education or indeed in vocational education and really thrive. That's that's what that CBI would be happy with that. Psychologists would be happy with that. Politicians actually would be happy with that. I think. Hmm. I
0: think where we need to go to next in this conversation, I guess, is, is, is the assessment of it. I mean, if if we can train it and and it, and it is needed, then how do we know if people are getting better at it? And I guess this takes us to the work you've done with PISA and, and PISA's intent to assess it.
1: Yes. Well, um, let's just start with the uh, the PISA work, just to kind of give this a context. Um, mm. Your listeners may well know that every three years pisa as well as testing the kind of things that everybody's familiar with english math and science uh, invites countries to subject their 15 year olds to what they call an innovative domain test and in uh 2015 for example it was collaborative problem solving in 2018 it was uh, an area uh, entitled global competence and in 2021 it's going to be creative thinking and the definition we've evolved of that is quite close to the five-dimensional model of creative thinking that we've been talking about. And mm-hmm. the reason uh, for that is partly because I have a role there. I'm co-chair of the strategy group of this process, but actually also because our expert panel, drawn from um, uh, colleagues across the world, uh, similarly share this more plural definition of creativity. So. Very much along the lines of our earlier conversation, see creativity as this bigger concept. And um, in terms of where we are with that process, um, any any PISA test um, is really thoroughly road tested. There will always be people, and that's right too, in an open society, who contest whatever metric they come up with. Um, but the process is, broadly speaking, a, a series of field trials. So the the, the first Thinking that we've had around creative thinking has been tested in Australia, Singapore, Canada, and South Africa, and we've learned some interesting lessons, but um, uh, the, the kind of approach we're adopting has survived that, and it's now being really rigorously shaken about where it has to be translated, because uh, uh, the minute you introduce uh, the cultural variable, of course, um, it gets even more complicated. Um, mm. And uh, so, um, uh, at the moment, uh, PISA is inviting those people who normally submit their students to the um, core three PISA tests, whether they'd like to be part of this. Um, Very recently and just before the election was called, um, the Department for Education in England and actually also um, in Wales decided that they currently didn't want to opt into this. I think that's a massive missed opportunity because this is actually an incredibly, it's not free, but it's an incredibly good value for money research endeavour to see what we can find out about the many ways in which we might get better at assessing uh, creative thinking. Um, That said, uh, all is still to play for because uh, we don't need, the country does not need to opt in until as late as June next year. Uh, Mm. So uh, I'm hoping that, and I know there are a number of very unhappy organisations, not least of which Arts Council England, whose recommendation in the Durham Commission was that we should opt into this. There's there's plenty of time to play with this. So, um, PISA has decided, not accidentally, after some considerable thought, that this is a robust enough area and there are enough practices out there that will enable us to produce a reliable, valid assessment of creative thinking. It's not without its challenges. And inevitably, we've had to say we can't assess everything. Um, So all of those things that exist in our model and exist in the PISA 21 definition, they won't all be testable. But I hope it will make a powerful statement about the value of this to those people who are doubting it. And I hope it will also do what happened after the collaborative problem-solving test in 2015. It will encourage researchers and teachers across the world to think how they can develop formative tools for the assessment of creativity and I think actually that's probably where the largest value sits and if you were for example in uh, Thomas Tallis school uh, you would uh, each student would be using an app to um, make a record of the examples of their uh, creative progress in different subjects and indeed out of school If you were in a school that we work with very closely in in the western suburbs of Sydney, Rooty Hill High School, each student has a very simple digital portfolio where similarly they will make records of their progress, of examples of uh, things that demonstrate their increasing creativity. And um, at any level, whether you're talking about what students might do, what teachers might do, what schools might do with uh, experts outside of the school, and indeed in the online space, there are, uh, I, I think at the last count, some 20 to 30 different assessment techniques that somewhere in the world I could show you that schools are using to track the progress of uh, young people in becoming more creative. So it, it really can be done. Um, uh, that's not to say uh, it's going to be done immediately, and that's not going to say, because anything that teachers do that's slightly different takes time and professional learning, It's not to say that it doesn't, it doesn't call for some effort.
0: So the PISA test is a written test, I'm guessing, at, at this stage. The PISA
1: test is the standard one-hour online test. It's uh, going to be looking at both uh, words and images. So mm-hmm. it's not just uh, verbal, it's also visual. Um We've chosen to locate some of the challenges deliberately in maths and science to frustrate the prejudices that some have that it's only about the arts. Um, there's a whole element of the test that will be, frankly, about common sense. So we can't, we can't rely on children, young people, 15-year-olds in this case, um, only being able to do something if they have a level of scientific and mathematical competence or it becomes a proxy for a test of science or maths. So some of these things need to be things that are matters of common sense. The broad uh, design for these is to ask really good, rich, authentic questions, which you can answer at a number of different levels. So you can get the difference in terms of um, uh, level from that, uh, and also that often have a, a narrative or a driving scenario that engages young people in thinking this through. So it feels different from a uh, more typical test, uh, uh, although actually some of the other PISA test questions in English, math and science are, are pretty engaging too.
0: So I'm thinking this is not a there's not a specification of right answers here. This is going to be quite a complex marking job for somebody in terms of assessing creativity from this test. Other specs around process. I mean, uh, what what do the markers have essentially to te- uh, to to mark this test?
1: Well, I can't tell you too much because that's uh, kind of confidential at this stage. But I can tell you that markers will need to be. Um, Uh, carefully prepared, uh, trained, practiced so that uh, when when a number of them are looking at this we get an accurate response and that's been part of the field trial test to see that that can be done but yeah absolutely uh, that goes without saying.
0: And I guess the final question then is is what is your expectation of you know you you, you work internationally you you know many of the international education systems and I, I imagine the international school uh, system where lots of these international schools are, are very, very big on creativity. What's your expectation of of, of national performance? Uh, you know, who do you expect to be at the top? Where do you expect the British Isles countries to be?
1: Well, uh, ironically, I actually think that English kids are pretty creative, and I think uh, when I, you notice, I say when, not if, um, the government decides to enter us into the test. I think our fifteen-year-olds. We do pretty well. I think our teachers are amazing, too. Um, But if we look globally, um, the hot spots in this area are some of the the predictable countries, so areas like Finland, Canada doing amazing work in this, too. Um, An interesting pinch point, a kind of bellwether country or a small country, is Singapore. It's regularly uh, right up there in terms of the conventional PISA tests, and its Minister for Education Minister for Schools has been arguing for some while But what Singaporean young people are not doing well enough yet is creative thinking. So they'll be part of this. Um, I think that the Scots uh, should do pretty well. They've been embedding this. Uh, If you looked around the world, Australia, very active. New Zealand, very active. Some aspects of the states, but but in countries like uh, Australia, Canada, Canada, Uh, the U.S. where uh, education is a matter of a state or indeed sometimes a district you get much more variability. I think there are some uh, global movements where this will be uh, welcomed and embraced with open arms so the international baccalaureate is very strong on this Um, so to um, the many you mentioned international schools the many international schools who kind of pick and mix what they do.
0: So you think that um English schools, if they did, or as you say, if they will eventually enter, we've got nothing to fear from the test, but we've got a lot to gain.
1: Absolutely. We've got nothing to fear, a lot to gain. Um, We have a phrase, I'm not entirely happy with it, called the creative industries, in which we excel. Uh, I'm not entirely happy with it because it has led to another notion called creative subjects, which implies that some subjects are not creative and some industries are not creative. Mm-hmm. But we have a, a global reputation for the quality of our ideas, for our Nobel Prize winners, for our, the number of patents per head of uh, a population that we develop. So I'm entirely confident that we have the potential to do really well here. And I would just love us to inch our way or gallop our way up the conventional PISA tables and do really well on the PISA 2021 test of creative thinking and for people to breathe a huge sigh of relief that you can be fantastic at maths and also a great creative thinker.
0: Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you very much.